Welcome to The Unmistakable Marketer. Every week, we interview business leaders, marketers, and authors from around the world. Together, we try to unpack how we create marketing messages that attract attention and separate us from the competition. Our goal is to help you make your marketing unmistakable. In addition to this podcast, listeners get actionable advice on the latest insights in digital marketing from our free email newsletter, which can be found at tomorrow-people.com. That's tomorrow-people.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Unmistakable Marketer. My name is Nathan Anibaba. Uh, my guest this week is Gwyn Barry. Gwyn is marketing technologist at Method Savvy, a full-service marketing and, and advertising agency that uses data-driven processes to help businesses efficiently acquire and retain customers. Hi, Gwyn. Thanks for coming on the show. Nathan, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great stuff. Thank you. Well, Gwyn, can you tell our audience a little bit about Method Savvy for those people that aren't familiar with the company? Certainly. As you said, you know, we're a full-service agency. We are based in Durham, North Carolina in the U.S., and we really uh, primarily work with B2B and e-commerce companies and really help them solve business problems. So it's, it's not necessarily looking at it from just a, a marketing angle, but, but looking at how it will really help the business overall. Great stuff. Okay. Um, and could you tell our audience something about yourself that they wouldn't necessarily sort of know about you? So in my role at Method Savvy, I uh, primarily work in marketing automation and email marketing, and, and that doesn't necessarily um, put me in the bucket of being a creative Uh, at an agency, but I still find ways to be creative in in my work at Method Savvy and outside of Method Savvy. I really enjoy painting, Okay. and I can even tie painting back to, you know, when you're thinking through the composition, you really need to optimize what you're putting together on the canvas so that people find it enjoyable. I, that's interesting. So, you, so you think about optimization as a as a way of, um, I guess, your your creative process when it comes to painting. Yes, always improving. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. Well, Gwyn, as you as you know, the topic of the show, the premise of the show, is really about how marketers can differentiate in this kind of age of commoditization um, and, uh, I guess, content overload. You know, everyone is producing content these days. There are many more organizations that are using marketing automation to send, uh, you know, drip messages and uh, and lead nurturing messages to their audience using content. But if everyone is positioning themselves as, as thought leaders, then pretty much no one then becomes a thought leader. So it's increasingly important for us to be able to kind of separate ourselves from the competition. So in that regard, the question that we ask everyone that, that comes on the show is, what marketing have you come across in recent months or weeks um, that you would consider unmistakable? Well, um, one campaign that really comes to mind is uh, the brand Dove. Uh, they are a, a beauty brand that um, has soap and body wash products. Um, they've had a long-running campaign called Real Beauty. Right where they really focus on showing real women and they f- 
focus on their stories and, and really create this conversation around celebrating, you know, what actual women look like and, and you know, are, and really inspire confidence. So they're really just changing the conversation in an oversaturated market. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's a really interesting campaign as well, because I, I came across that um, probably about um, only eight months ago, I'm ashamed to say. I, I think it's been going on for quite, quite a few years, but I, I, I was made aware of it quite late. But I guess their, their positioning or the, or the way that they're um, you know, talking about their products is appealing to customers based on an emotional um, level where they're trying to separate themselves from the competition by almost uh, castigating or alienating the the you know traditional approaches to to beauty by you know the the models and the and, and the catwalks and, and the traditional sort of beauty industry by saying this is what actual real beauty looks like um, and I think that's a message that a lot of women are um, you know are aware of and strikes a, a really good chord with them. Um, is there any particular, are there any particular sort of videos or, or assets that, that you came across that you thought, yeah, that was a really inspiring video or that was a really inspiring piece of content from Dove? You know, what was it about their campaign that really stood out to you? Uh, for me, it, it was really how they, they took these interactions and repurposed them across ads and videos and events. And it, you know, there were some where they showcased, you know, the relationship between mothers and daughters, and you know, it, the that imagery from the campaign has been consistent as far as showing women in groups um, in simple white underwear. Right. Um, and you know, it, it's very aspirational yes. to the audience for realizing that they don't need to look like the woman on the catwalk. Yeah. You know, the, the idea of beauty has changed so much over the past, you know, hundreds of years that, you know, it you just really need to be okay with yourself. Mm. And it, it's it's great that they're focusing on that rather than saying our product lathers well and moisturizes and, you know, it's at your price point. Yes. Yeah, so they're definitely moving away from the the functional benefits of the products more into the sort of emotional and sort of psychological um, uh, sort of benefits that the product delivers to you. I, I know there has been some controversy over the over the campaign in, in recent months because I do believe that they're part of Unilever, is that right? And um, there's Correct. another, yeah, um, there's another uh, brand within Unilever's portfolio, uh, a brand of male um uh, deodorant, I think it is. I, I, I can't remember the name now, but they uh, are. I think it's at. At, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I think you know where I'm going with this. They they take a very kind of male chauvinistic approach to actually selling their products. Uh, whereas on the other hand, Dove that come under, under the same umbrella are sort of taking a, a complete, um, uh, you know, a, a different tact. Um, and I think a lot of people have, have questioned the legitimacy of the approach if two brands under the same umbrella have almost seemingly diametrically op op opposed ways of positioning themselves. Um, do you, do you have any thoughts on that? 
I think it is worth pointing out those objections. Um, however, you know, I, I I think that Dove is stood behind their brand, oh. and and really those objections should be directed at at Unilever rather than Dove themselves. Right. No, definitely agree. As as far as um, uh, data driven marketing is concerned, just just diving into sort of what you do there at um, Method Savvy. Um, it, it, it seems to mean a lot of different things to different people. How, how do you at Method Savvy define data-driven marketing? Sure. Uh, data-driven marketing at Method Savvy is really more of a cultural mindset. Um, you know, it's really a focus on using the data they, that you have making sure that it's accurate and getting more data to better inform decisions. You know, really a, a test and learn culture. Um, you know, if you're going to, you know, make a decision based on data and, and perhaps it, it doesn't always work out, as long as you can learn something from that mm -hmm. and, and pivot your direction and, and, and keep going on that, that testing culture and, and using the data to, to back up your decisions. Right. Okay, great. So I guess one of the things that, that has been quite uh, sort of prevalent as far as um, data-driven marketing is, is concerned, or, or one of the challenges that marketers have had, is that, you know, without having a clear idea of sort of what you're trying to achieve, all the data in the world is kind of meaningless. Um, so how, how important is it to, uh, to set clear goals um, when thinking about data-driven marketing? It's actually really important. You know, many people, many of our clients come to us with a problem, but they, they don't necessarily have a, a goal in mind. Mm -hmm. um, and really understanding that it's the, the right goal and it's, it's not being short-sighted. So, you know, we have uh, one client where the the goal of, of our, our work with them is really to get more, so they have a, a uh, they're a technology company and they have a subscription model where, you know, you're, you have an account and you just pay as you go sure. um, for every time you use their service. Yeah. And their goal is to have more people, more of their users use their service, right. so recurring users. And... So depending on, on what the, the campaign assets are, sometimes that is in service of net new mm -hmm. users, but in other term, times it's, it's getting the existing customers to become reoccurring business. Um, and sometimes those can be in conflict of each other, so it's important as you're planning out your assets that and your campaign and how everything interacts and is integrated together that the focus on the ultimate goal is never compromised. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I think that's really interesting um, that you sort of highlighted that point because I think a lot of marketers or a lot of business people get, get carried away in thinking that, oh, this, you know, there's so much um, data that we can measure and there's so many things that we can extract from the business. Uh, and that sometimes that leads to a little bit of, uh, you know, paralysis by analysis. Um, it seems as though, you know, these days we can pretty much measure so many different things coming out of our business. 
Um, so it's really important that that you give your your clients and anyone that you speak to, I guess, a framework or some sort of method or structure for them to sort of work through um, and really have a, a clear un understanding of actually what it is that they're trying to achieve and always be, uh, you know, always adhere to that. Um, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I, I think the perception sometimes is that data-driven marketing is this, as I said, this kind of huge, intimidating kind of undertaking. Um, sometimes people think it's more complicated than, than it is or that it should be. How do you, you know, how do you talk either a business owner or a marketer through the steps of becoming more data-driven in their own business? Absolutely. My best advice is to, to start small. You, you just don't want to have that paralysis and, and have it, have being data-driven actually be a barrier mm -hmm. to making decisions or, you know, executing any sort of marketing efforts, really. Mm -hmm. So, you know, start small, make sure that you have some of the, the basic things set up. As far as having a presence online, making sure that something as far as website analytics like Google Analytics, which is a great free tool out there, um, can provide you with a lot of informational data about your, your website and your web visitors mm -hmm. and what they're doing. Um, and, you know, start looking at what you know, what your costs are across your business. You know, you have a budget as a, mar as a marketing team, there is a budget uh, typically. So in order to really be effective, you really need to, to understand what your funnel is and, and do the funnel math and understand your, your cost per lead and your cost per acquisition so that when you're testing out different channels, like say you're, you're testing out paid search, for example, well, if, if your cost per acquisition really needs to be sub $200, you really can't be paying $700 a click. Right. You know, or, or, you know, another example would be around email marketing. A lot of people think that, or a lot of businesses think email marketing can be challenging. Right. And, and really it, it gets into the coding of it where, where it's big challenging. But, but optimizing email um, is relatively simple to get started with you know my, my best advice there is to m make sure that people are seeing the emails you're sending them by ensuring you know you're following best practice with practices with deliverability mm. but also you know really easy low-hanging fruit there would be to optimize subject lines mm. you know continual subject line testing is going to improve your open rates getting more of your audience to actually see the content that you've well-crafted inside, you know, the message. Um, there are, you know, some great programs out there as well that that make website testing pretty simple as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, services like Optimizely, um, you know, allow you to put a little snippet of code on your website and manage the test from their their platform without really needing to get into the weeds of of doing all the measurements yourself and um, you want to make sure that whenever you're looking at and evaluating that your results from the data mm -hmm. that you're making sure that it's statistically significant a lot of people end up wanting to 
they get antsy when they start seeing the data coming in. Oftentimes you'll see you know, early results come in and you know, one version is, is leading way out ahead of the other versions. Right. And you might want to preemptively stop the test, but right. you know, that could certainly flip-flop as, as you get more data in. We recently saw an example of this with one of our clients we were doing um, a subject line test, mm -hmm. and but we had to do it in stages. Mm -hmm. And the first couple of stages, you know, the first version of the subject line was like way, way out, you know, improved the open rate so dramatically. Sure. And as we ran through the rest of the list, it completely flip-flopped. And and the the second version of the subject line really ended up creating more, um, generating more open rate, a higher open rate for the the email message. Right. So, so your your recommendation would be test everything, split test everything, and just measure as much as you can. Set everything up, you know, as, as much as you can in advance. Lay the groundwork. Mm. Test often and, and learn from it. No, fantastic stuff. I I guess I wanted to um, bring this now full circle back to the differentiation um, um, angle um, and sort of ask you, you know, how does getting a grip on your company's data help you differentiate from the competition? So really understanding your business data helps you understand the depths of your business. You know, there's a lot of business data that's generated no matter what your, your business is. So you have sales data, you have customer support data, you have, you know, if your business is online, you, you have, you know, your marketing website traffic, you have your app, you know, interactions. And really understanding, you know, how you're interacting in the marketplace, how your audience sees you, you know what else your audience is is really you know looking for and and speaking their language you know analyzing the business data helps you see those trends and evaluate your strengths and weaknesses and you know, once you go and and have those identified you can start turning those perceived weaknesses into strengths it's not to to overcorrect per se but you know, perhaps there's a, a missed opportunity that the, the data could bring to light. Now, is is this sort of data-driven marketing more suitable for certain companies over others or certain industries over others? Or is it, is it something that any, any business can undertake? Any business can really undertake data-driven marketing. It, it just starts with, you know, making sure you're actually paying attention to the data. It's definitely there. You just need to capture it and analyze it. No, great stuff. So just to just to wrap things up, what's the marketing function at Method Savvy currently trying to achieve at the moment? We are currently uh, working on behalf of our clients to solve business problems. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as you've talked about, there is this commoditization of products where you know, the whole idea of solution selling, um, you know, isn't quite as effective as, as it used to be. Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, people or I've spoken with several clients where their their competition really just takes the, you know, they might come out with a, a new feature and their competition just says, oh, we have that. Right. And, and those are the way the, converse, the conversations go and it yeah. really just becomes a, a, a conversation about price at that yes. point. Yes. So there really needs to be a way that you're able to address the pain points of your customers and, and you know, develop that one-to-one -one relationship, you know, the the real impact of data driven marketing is is driving more, excuse me the real impact of data driven marketing is driving more impact on the everyday lives that your customers have right yeah no yeah. I, you know and, and I kind of um, agree with that and I think you know, to a certain extent, um, you know, with increasingly marketing technology tools, marketing automation tools have given us the ability to, um, you know, to track seemingly all of the all of the customer interactions or touch points that our customers um, sort of have with us. And and really, it's about as you as you mentioned earlier, um, taking it back to the individual and seeing how it actually sort of brings them to life. Because a lot of the time, I think we can look at data and and just look at numbers on a on a spreadsheet as as opposed to actually trying to you know see that these people these individuals are actually human beings and they have aims and aspirations and, and goals and actually trying to link the data that we're extracting from our business back to actually tangible a tangible human being that's actually a trying to achieve certain either personal or um you know business objectives i, I think sometimes that that can be missed so um i i definitely sort of go go along with that um, no, Gwyn, thank you very much for your time. It's been uh, it's 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 been really useful having you on and sort of sh sharing your thoughts. I hope to get you back on the show at some point um, in the future. Um, if anyone wants to learn more about Method Savvy and sort of what you do, um, you know, where can they go? Where's the first place to start? The best place to start is our website, mm -hmm. methodsavvy.com. Great stuff. And uh, we have a few case studies on there and. You know, it's all about having those conversations. Fantastic stuff. Well, Gwyn, it's, it's, Gwyn, it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you very much for coming on, and um, hopefully we'll speak to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that's, that's all for this week from The Unmistakable Marketer. Join us next week where we'll be sharing our thoughts and discussing uh, how to differentiate your marketing with another marketing decision maker. So we look forward to seeing you then. Take care. Bye-bye.